It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Uh, a lot of messages coming in on the heels of the Sophia Vergara conversation. Joe, says Joe and Sophia broke up because he wanted kids and she didn't. Well, like she's 51 years I was old. Say, yeah, she's 51. <laughs> well, he, has he done the research about he's women's reproductive cycles? I mean, I know you can do it these days. I mean, it takes a lot of money and technological advances. Because Janet Jackson had a child at 50-something. She did, didn't she? Yeah, there are women having children at 50-something. You can do it, but I understand why women don't want to do it. I mean, I do believe at that point. Hell, they they call it a geriatric pregnancy when you're trying to get pregnant after like 35. Yeah, yeah. They call it geriatric. You're like a 30-year-old woman, and you walk in there trying to have a baby, and Doc's like, well, this is going to be a geriatric pregnancy. You understand? Like, geriatric. I'm like 33. <laughs> I mean, do you, so, do you really want to have a 20-year-old kid when you're seven years old? No, no. I'm, I'm, I, said, I don't. I said, I understand why they don't. Why the women don't want to do it? I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? I get it. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it's being done now. It's not, not out of the realm of technological achievements. Yeah. But I don't want. Listen, I'm gonna have a. I'll have a, a, a kid graduating high school when I'm 60. Yeah, you will, because you just had a baby. How yeah, is baby Monroe, 60. by the way? Everybody she's good. good. Everybody good. Yeah, she's fantastic. But I'll, five, I'll be, five months old, four months old. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be six. I'll be sixty years old. I'll be the. They'll be like, "Is that your granddaddy at the?" At the like, no, that's my dad. <laughs> that's how most of my friends were growing up. Like their their really? parents were around that age when we graduated. My parents are just young, so. Okay. Mine too. Mine too. They had my brother and I when they were what nineteen and twenty. I'm gonna be an old daddy. Yeah. You got you had yeah. Your, your parents had little. Well, they were little hotties. Had. They were little hotties at the. <laughs> they were still the hot the hot parents. <laughs> well, my you know, my parents were were teenagers or very young with when they had two. They had my brother and I. Yeah. Then they waited for like eight years to have my brother and my sister. So everybody, no divorce or anything. They just waited until they. Yeah, because they had time. Then they, you know, had some money. They were still in their 20s. <laughs> they weren't even 30 yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a gap between our, our yeah. almost two two sets. But um, And then so my my when my oldest was born, my, my dad wasn't 50 yet. I mean, he was like 47. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. He was young. He did not like being called grandpa, so we called him grand dude. Yeah, you got it. exactly. He's too, too, he's too cool for it. He's like, I'm too young for that. No, I'm can't too young. Be no can't be a grandpa just Come on, yet. Man. So yes, uh, you, you can have children at, at a lot of ages, and yeah. yes, you will be an older. You'll just, yeah. but you you won't. You don't. You're 40 now. You don't look much. You'll, you'll like, be fine. You'll be in great shape. If he wanted kids, that he's 40 something. That's that's why most men end up with a woman that's younger. You can just go get you a younger woman. Ooh. Yeah. That, if you want kids, you want to get that bad. Yeah, well, yeah. If you're Joe Man, that, like that could something. be what people are saying. That Joe Manganiello, they split because he wanted to go get married to someone to have kids. A younger woman, and yeah. she and she can't or doesn't want to. Whatever. She's like, I'm so, not doing it. She's like, I'm fifty something. Well, you know, if that's your priority, I get it. I guess at the same time, you know, good good for them. But I I still love her quote. And uh, yeah. we'll hear this Luca Doncic sound coming up. We'll also play around to who said that this hour. And Rod's going to have a rant here coming up. We talking uh, championship Sunday? Yeah, we'll in, talk about the. Rant. Yeah, we'll talk about the NFC and AFC title games a little bit and uh, break down the matchups. Are you bullish with me on this? These are the four best teams in the league all year. If you, I mean, I know Buffalo and Dallas were the two seeds. Mm-hmm. I do think you make a case that they that we have the four best teams. And I know Dallas beat Detroit, but that game was razor thin in Dallas and you know controversial at the end with the two point conversion. 
Um, you know, the only team I would include would be the Dallas, and that's why their loss was so disappointing. Buffalo was – and they had, they had a surge to the finish line. Yeah. Uh, so I think we have the four best teams, which means I think we're going to have two really good games. I mean, the, we only have three NFL games left, Rod, but I think we're going to have two really compelling games. Let me ask you this. What would, be, what would be the best and most compelling Super Bowl matchup for you? That is good. That's a good question. I think the most compelling Super Bowl matchup for me, in terms of a good game, or are we talking about headlines and storylines? For our show, for, for chatter, and for, for what, what kind of game you're I mean, last year's Philadelphia-Kansas City game was unbelievably good. Oh, that, was, that was a great – I don't know if you'll get better than that. I mean, that's, that's, that ranks in the top five all-time yeah. compelling Super Bowls. I don't know if you'll get better. I mean, we, we, have, we, we saw the Kansas City-Detroit game to start the season, right? That was it was a, good. And that was a good game to start the season. Um, but I don't know how many storylines we really got out of it. And Detroit just being in the Super Bowl Detroit, would be a huge story. It was, it's a, yeah, it was a big storyline. Um, I guess Detroit, that would give you all your storylines you need uh, if you had them in there. Uh, but I think in terms of compelling, I'm a football guy, so I just want, I'm, I'm interested in the most compelling football matchup. I, I want to see the Ravens in the Super Bowl. The Ravens, Patrick Mahomes going there would just be Patrick Mahomes once again reasserting his, uh, reaffirming his greatness, <laughs> his goatness. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, we haven't had a, a true dual-threat quarterback win the Super Bowl since Russell Wilson did it. It really wasn't Russell Wilson's team when he did it. He was a young quarterback that was pretty much a game manager while that that Seattle Seahawks defense, Legion of Boom, in the and running Marshawn game, Lynch. yeah, led the way. Uh, then before that, you got to go back to Steve Young, who did it. Um, and yeah, that was that was that was that was Steve Young getting the monkey off his back. Remember that that, that whole scene? Well, and, uh, and Lamar Jackson would be getting a monkey off his back of sorts too, because the whole the whole the narrative is that quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson can't win Super Bowls. Period. These guys led them in rushing and passing. Matter of fact, he's the only quarterback to lead his team in rushing and passing, and this will be the fifth straight year. <laughs> this is unbelievable. First quarterback. Well, you're right about that. I think I think that's why. <laughs> that's the narrative that needs to be shattered, and he well, can do it. And, and you know, for all the criticism he took last summer and last spring when he was holding out and you know wanted the new contract, and the you know he was available to be traded for. If he wins the Super Bowl, Rod, he'll be he'll be immediately one of the most accomplished quarterbacks of all time by 26 years old or 27 yeah. years old because he won the Heisman Trophy. He's a twice time and mm-hmm. twice an MVP. And now to put a Super Bowl on that resume. He would likely be the Super Bowl MVP. Likely. Possibly, because he does lead them in rushing. And yeah, he's, yeah, they don't <laughs> win if, if Lamar doesn't have a good right. game. We know how that goes. So that's compelling. It really <laughs> is. And obviously the, the, the dual Harbaugh championships, college and pro, would be kind of a neat story. Oh, uh, Dan Harbaugh, think about him. Job. He would have two Super Bowls, so he would be thrust into some rarefied air. Yes, he would. John Harbaugh, and that would probably that would make be his second. And his second in a different type of way. He'd do this one with a quarterback, more of a – I guess that defense is still legit, but it'd be a different quarterback. To win Super Bowls with different quarterbacks is rare. Yeah, he did it with multiple, Joe Flacco, yeah, right? Multiple and more of a pocket passer now. Yeah. Obviously, we know Lamar is a different quarterback. I'd also say that uh, you, to the dual threat, I mean, Jim Harbaugh took a, a running quarterback to a Super Bowl yes, in Colin did. Kaepernick. Uh, so they both shared go. Greg Roman uh, for a while, too, the Greg Roman philosophy to yeah, go with Kaepernick, right. and then with Lamar Jackson. So there's that tie as well. All right, so Rod's rant is coming up. we got some other rants. Can we hear from Luka Doncic last night? You mentioned this. He had a fan ejected. All three Texas teams played at home, and they all lost. He's so sensitive. Why so sensitive? But here's Luka after the game. They, they gave up 140 points last night and lost this game, or 132, whatever it was. Here is uh, Luka after and on the fan ejection situation. Uh, I know I saw you you said about the fan, you know. That was not a true at all. That was not the only thing he said. Uh, but I knew you would be the first one to, to okay. point what out is, something. What else did he say? I'm not going to say what he said, but I knew you were going to be the first one to put out something like that. So 
I just thought, man, it's just funny. They always seem to be the first one to put some bad stuff about me. Okay, first of all, 99% of the stuff I've written about you has been good. Oh, Second of all, the guy was sitting two rows behind us. All right, so it was the only thing he was, that time he said something, the only thing? That was what you reacted to. Yeah, I was hearing the whole first half, right? What oh, you didn't hear it. No, he was, he was definitely hollering all okay. game. Okay. You that, reacted to You put out something that was just the only thing. What was the final issue? What was the thing that It's not the issue. I'm just saying you seem to be the first one to always put something bad about me. Thank you, Luca. Thank you, Luca. There you go. There's Luca Doncic. He doesn't like that. He's talking to Tim McMahon, right? Is that who that is? Yeah. He's the main beat writer for the I believe he's talking to Tim McMahon. If I'm not mistaken, Ty, I believe that's who he's talking to and saying, you always, you're always the first one to point out some negative stuff about me. And I imagine he's the he must have been the one that put out the fans' quote. About cardio? About what he said. Yeah, about Luca, go get on the treadmill. Luca, you look tired. Get on the treadmill. And although Luca says the guy was cussing him out the entire first half, he reacted to that comment. That's the comment he was like, ref, get this guy out of here. Instead of, well, he was cussing you out and MFing you the whole game, get him out there for the MFing. Why did the thing that triggered you was, you know, the comment about cardio and you lose, you know, are you tired and get on the treadmill? Why did that trigger you as opposed to, you know, F you and then F J, right? That to me is weird. Oh yeah, you get the fan kicked out the kick. The the the, the fans being rowdy and and un- disrespectful and offensive. Yes, kick him out, of course. Uh, but it's just interesting what he decided to go to the ref and kick him out after he said. Like what 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 triggered him was a a a statement that wasn't you know expletive in the field and it wasn't disrespectful or offensive. It was just mean. It was mean spirited. Don't be mean. Come yeah, on, Luca. Yeah, and Luca seems like a little sensitive too. By the way, oh, speaking man. of rants before Rod's actual rant, can we hear Vic Schaefer last night? Vic Schaefer was not happy with his basketball team. They gave up 91 points. They lost at home to Oklahoma. And uh, the head coach did not mince words after the third conference loss for the Longhorns. We didn't play well. We played terrible. We played with no juice, no energy, and no fight. We happened to, with five minutes to go, decide to try to play a little bit better. That's just too late. I don't care where I'm coaching. I don't care if I'm at Timbuktu. You ain't going to play for me like that. That is not acceptable. And it damn sure ain't acceptable at Texas. So we'll watch the film. The film won't lie. And we'll address it. And we'll address it first thing in the morning when the sun's coming up. <laughs> I love that part. Hell yeah. They've already addressed it. Um, we need to pull that uh, that part of the cut rod uh, tie mm-hmm. for the long haul. That uh, that's unacceptable, and it's damn sure not acceptable at Texas. I love that. We got to oh, keep that one. Man, like I said, I feel bad for those ladies. I know that I've been in film sessions like that, and they are brutal. I need that kind of energy out of Rodney Terry. Yeah, well, well, yeah, he might have had it after Rodney's that UCLA game because yeah. they they found something. They found some secret sauce of some kind. Yeah, well, but, very few coaches in any sport are more pointed than Vic Schaefer. He doesn't mince words very often. I would also say that uh, his one of his he's players, Shay Holly, said, "You know what? He's right. Hey, you know, he, a coach should not be coaching effort during the game. They should Go be shots. coaching X's and O's. They should be coaching X's and O's. And you know, the whole night he was having to, to prod them to play harder, play better defense, all those yeah. kind of things. And the the player even backed him up. Uh, one other, can I give a quick rant? Then it's your rant, Rod. Let's do it. You know, the, the baseball Hall of Fame class was announced." And, you know, Adrian Beltre, awesome. Uh, all-time great third baseman, no, no doubt. Uh, Helton and Maurer going in. But, you know, Billy Wagner, the Astros left-handed uh, reliever. He's got you know, more saves and, and strikeouts than any left-handed reliever. Um, but he didn't get in. And so the most strikeouts ever by a left-handed reliever, fourth most all-time, missed all of by five votes, Rod. 
in his ninth try. Five votes. Here's my rant. Two voters who voted for him last year didn't vote for him this year. And then two other writers put in their ballots that only had Manny and A-Rod on them. Yeah, now that the second, come on, man. The the, the the latter is more egregious to me. You said they didn't even; they only had two names on their ballots. Yeah, two voters. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, but if you if you thought he was a, a, a Hall of Famer in oh three and twenty three, why not twenty four? Uh, because with new information, you can change your mind. Uh, I always say that with new information, I should be able to change my mind. If I uh, have, have been educated and enlightened with new information. I reserve the right to change my mind about something. So I get it, change your mind. Come I do. On. I do a lot of. Re- he probably did more research and was like, actually, compared to these other guys, they don't, you know, stand up. I guess whatever. if you were putting don't in compare. another closer over top that had become eligible, that didn't happen. They put in three position players. I don't know. Come on, I want a Billy Wagner in. He's got one more chance next year. Got one more. Got one more. Better start campaigning, man. Better, better get out there. Yeah. Well, they, get somebody on your side. You people are getting for you. How many? What, what was what was his highest percentage of votes? He got. He had? Last this year, he got what to seventy three point five. He needed seventy five percent. He oh, needed five more votes. He needed five more votes. That hurts right there. Oh man, that hurts. And then you got people not leap, not not even putting putting even eligible candidates on the ballot. Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, take their vote. Uh, yeah, they should. Is this a lifetime vote? Once you get it, you have it forever. I don't. Yeah, the baseball writers. Do they have it forever? Like once you get a vote, do you have it forever? I believe so. Okay, I will look that up though during Rod's actual rant of a Thursday morning. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's start with the NFC title game and talk about that matchup a little bit. Uh, I brought this nugget up toward the tail end of my first rant, but keep this in mind as a factor that people haven't talked enough about. The Lions, they're, they're dome warriors. They're just a different team when they play inside of a dome. They have play, they, they've played outside once in the past 12 games. That was December 10th at Chicago. Um, every other road game since then at Chargers at the uh, Saints, at Vikings, at Cowboys, all in domes. And think about that. Their offense only put up 13 points in that game versus Chicago. Uh, it was a loss to Chicago. On He was 12. I think it was um, – yeah, it was on it was on December 10th, um, and he only had 161 yards passing for Jared Goff. So that's, a, that's something to consider because even away from uh, – at home and away from home, Detroit Lions have different splits. I mean, that's not – it's not crazy. Look at the last 17 games away from home. They are 10-7, and seven, um, but 45 touchdowns compared to 67 touchdowns for their last 17 home games. They are averaging 21.9 points per game in their last 17 away games. Uh, they're at 30, damn near 32 points per game in their last 17 home games. <laughs> That's a huge difference. Um, so for for the for the Detroit Lions, they're just a different team. We're not playing in that controlled environment. That's something to keep in mind. Debo Samuel. That's another big factor that it's going to hurt the 49ers if Debo Samuel can't go. Um, and, and if he can go, he won't be 100. percent But he's 50-50 right now whether he'll be available for that game. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers in his career with the 49ers 
8-9 record with Debo Samuel inactive over his career, uh, 0-2 without him this season. Uh, and you go look at the stats, I believe at this point it's, thir- it's a 13.8 points per game difference. <laughs> uh, when they have Debo Samuel offensively uh, and when he's not there in the lineup. That is a, a huge difference uh, for, the, the, for the 49ers. So whether Debo will be available just makes their, def- their offense a whole lot easier to defend. But speaking of offense, this San Francisco-Detroit matchup, it could end up being a, a shootout. You could get a, a, a type of shootout in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it is high scoring. San Francisco is second in the end. That's if Debo plays. Debo doesn't play. You, that's a different San Fran offense. And I just gave you the stats. Goff and the Detroit Lions away from home and outside on grass. They also are a very different offense. Um, but looking at the offenses overall so far, San Francisco tied. They're second in the NFL in points per drive. The Lions are third. <laughs> um, Detroit leads the league in rate of scoring plays. That are, that are touchdowns. Seventy-five percent of their uh, their play, their scoring plays are touchdowns. The 49ers are at seventy-four percent, so they're second. Detroit is first. The 49ers lead the NFL in yards per play. Detroit is third in yards per play. Um, San Francisco leads the NFL with just 37.7% of their set downs reaching third down. Detroit is fifth. Only 44% of their downs uh, reach, only set of downs reach third down. So they don't see a third down. Neither one of these teams. That's an old Bill Walsh philosophy. The best third down call is the one you don't have to make. You don't even want to have to get in that situation. The 49ers and Detroit Lions are really good at avoiding that altogether. Uh, You go look at... um, Basically, on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where you're going to see both of these teams kind of where this game could be determined. The 49ers, they're only they're weak in the back end. Their pass defense, they are one of the best front sevens in all of football. And you go look at the Detroit Lions, their weakness is they're also their pass defense. And they have one of the, one of the best fronts in all of football, too. Lines of scrimmage are pretty stout for the Lions. But where they have been susceptible and vulnerable is in the back end. So which one of these pass defenses play better? will probably determine a lot of who's going to end up being uh, the, the winner in this matchup uh, between the Lions and the 49ers. Another factor to watch, outside running game, perimeter running game for the Detroit Lions. I brought this up earlier. The 49ers allowing almost six yards per rush outside the tackles this season. That's 26th worst in the NFL. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, who is the fastest running back in the NFL right now, I don't know if there's one that's faster. Devin A. Chain, I guess, is in that category. Uh, Raheem Mostert's in that category, but he's in that conversation. Um, he is fifth in the NFL in rushing yards per game outside the tackle, fourth in yards before contact per rush outside the tackle, and third in 10-plus yard rushes outside the tackles. He's a top-five runner in terms of getting to the perimeter and getting to the edge, and the 49ers, they are one of the worst defenses in the NFL at defending the edge. Uh, rushing yards per game, uh, the 49ers are 28th in rushing yards per game, defended outside the tackles. Uh, yards before carry uh, per rush allowed, they're 29th. And 10-plus yard rushes allowed outside the tackles, they're tied for 24th. Remember, the Packers kept doing that too. They kept getting to the edge, getting their wide receivers to block the defensive ends for the 49ers, which doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical, but it was actually working. Yeah, they got some bigger receivers too, and that's where that's where Aaron Jones picked up a majority of his 108 yards on 18 carries in that game. And you know one of the things that's a staple play for the uh, Lions is, you know, Penny Sewell's their best offensive lineman, but he plays right tackle. But they will bring him all the way to the other side and let him lead 
uh, on a little drag play to the Scared. running backs. Scared. And now you got Penny Sewell, who is a very athletic big man, yeah. out leading a guy like Jameer Gibbs. And all he needs is a crease. Yep. And it's good night. It's see Small ya. one. Yeah. And they line their receivers up to the right side, right? So you've got your DBs to, to the one side. Yeah, yeah exactly. Then they'll, then they'll run a little counter action. And here comes Penny Sewell getting out in front of it. Because um, you know, normally you would bring a guard. They bring their tackle. They bring a tackle. And there's usually a tight end out. I mean, it, it is a, a staple play for them. You'll see it a lot in this game, and they got to deal with it for sure. And as you're pointing out, it's a, it's a problem for the Niners as is. It is a problem already, and this team might be the best in the NFL at being able to attack the edges. So that's something to watch. Uh, jumping to the AFC side of things really quickly, and we talked about this yesterday, I just don't think people understand how dominant that Ravens defense has been. We brought up the stat yesterday. They, they first uh, team in the Super Bowl era to lead the NFL in scoring defense, takeaways, and sacks. Uh, I brought out the other stats. Wait, those are the three most important stats in football. You could argue, yeah. Takeaways, sacks, <laughs> and scoring points, defense. Points allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It, and, it is 100% true. If you score more points than the opponent, you're going to win the game. And I'm thinking about all the <laughs> great defenses that have been Super Bowl winning defenses in my era that have been elite defenses. God, you're talking about 85 Bears. You're talking about 86 Giants with Bill Belichick as the D.C. Lawrence Taylor on there. You're talking about 2,000 Ravens, 02 Bucks. Right, they were loaded. Warren Sapp on there, and I mean, oh, yeah. just when you said that, I mean, the, 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 the 01 Ravens, right, or 2000 Ravens, or 2000 Ravens, exactly. It's 2013 Seahawks, Legion of Boom was a great defense, and none of them ever did the none trio. Of none of them ever led the NFL in all three of those categories. And Baltimore did this year. That's and, awesome. And it, and and they go look at it, and it's some other uh, kind of superlatives to talk about how dominant they've been. Uh, the two, 2023 Ravens and the eight, 85 Bears and the 72 Dolphins. Those three teams are the only teams in the Super Bowl era to, to, uh, to average at least 25 points and lead the league in rushing offense and scoring defense. As you know, 85 Bears, 72 Dolphins are considered two of the greatest <laughs> teams in the history of the NFL. Um, and if you include, and I, I threw this out there earlier, but I went a little bit deep into the stats, the Ravens and the 07 Patriots, Patriots went undefeated in the regular season, end up losing in the Super Bowl to the Giants are the only teams in NFL history with a 100-plus point differential versus playoff teams in the regular season. That's crazy. All yeah, right. they, remember, we told you they, they had 14 or more point wins over nine winning teams this year. Yes. I mean, yeah. two touchdown wins over nine winning teams. Yep. Teams with over 500 records. It's unbelievable. So the point of this is, if not for three fourth-quarter giveaways, mm -hmm. we would be talking about the Ravens as one of the best teams of all time. That, yes. Statistically. That's they, kind of the conversation. They're, statistical they're not profile. being talked about that way because yes. they have four losses. One of them came in week 17 when they rested everybody. Yep. But, man, if you go back and look at the three losses they had to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis, they were, they were their own mistakes in the mm -hmm. fourth quarter that lost those games. Yep. And those were pretty early. Um, that would tell you, man, this team statistically is one of the best teams the NFL's had in the Super Bowl era. Yep. That's, that's impressive. I'm not picking against them. I'm not going to pick against the Ravens. And by the way, weather will not be an issue. If you're uh, concerned about Small Hands Purdy, Small Hands Brock, mm -hmm. uh, sunny and 70 in Santa Clara on Sunday evening. Should be beautiful. That'll be good. And then Baltimore will be dealing with rain. Baltimore, Kansas City is going to be in the, in the 40s, low 40s and rain. 80% chance on Sunday. Yeah, that's the thing about the Ravens, though. They don't – the weather, they have, they have the ability to morph, and they're so malleable offensively. I think that hurts the Chiefs more than the Ravens. Yes, because the Ravens can just say, all right, we're going to run it. Let's just go with our old-school offense and run the football. And there's talk that Mark, and, uh, Mark Andrews could be – he's back warm. Remember, he was almost practicing. back against Houston, and yeah. he was a game-time decision, so you got to think he's – So that's his top he, target, guys. That's his number one – that's his favorite target. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's – So they could probably go 11 personnel, but they got likely that – they probably go 12 personnel if likely, it's going to be yeah. ugly and run the football – well, and they got that big dude, Ricard, who's like a 
sixth offensive lineman. He's, he's like 300 a, yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? He's like, he is basically six. They use him as a fullback every now and then, but he's basically but he's three a bills. lineman. Yeah. No, they can play power football if they need to. That's right. Or they can spread you out, and they can play spread football. Like I said, it's just really tough, and, yeah, I just don't necessarily see. They're favored uh, by three and a half. Meanwhile, the Lions continue to be a seven-point underdog to the San Francisco. The Lions, the, the pass defense, though, that is a concern. If Purdy, if there's going to be good weather and Purdy can light them up and Debo plays, the Lions have been, you know, look at it, they've allowed in the last, I want to say the last six weeks or so, their pass defense has been getting lit up. I mean, lit up. And I wonder if Purdy and the 49ers. Yeah, Baker, can... Baker had it going. Uh, and he really, was. When, and Mike Evans was torching him a little bit. Uh, you know, Baker made one mistake there at the end, but I thought he played a really good game. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, this, this defense in, in Detroit can be had if you block Aiden Hutchinson yep. and deal with him. Uh, you can get after them. Let me see D. Lamb. Oh, man. Let me see D. Lamb had 13 receptions for 227 yards. Go, look at the number one receivers and how they perform versus the Lions. C.D. Lamb had 13 receptions for 227. Justin Jefferson, 12 for 192. Puka Nakua, 9 for 181. Keenan Allen, 11 for 175. Mike Evans, 8 for 147. Yeah, they don't have a shutdown corner, obviously. <laughs> so if you're, uh, the, if you're, if, that's why if Debo plays, Ayuk, Ayuk might have a big day on him. Ayuk or Debo. I'm looking on. forward to this. These matchups, one one seed and a three seed in both cases. Uh, home team, obviously the big advantage at this point. But uh, rain and weather will be a factor in the Baltimore game, not in the 49ers game. Uh, it shouldn't be. And we saw Brock Purdy with the the smallish hands struggling to grip the football until it mattered most for them. Uh, That shouldn't be an issue on Sunday. All right, Championship Sunday on tap. Nobody breaks it down like Rod Babers right there. The deep dive, you know more about football than you did before that started, I promise you. And these games coming up. Uh, Also coming up, be around a Who Said That? Uh, A little audio from around the landscape. We also get some other conversations going. Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL. Looks like Michigan is going to make quick work to hire his replacement. We'll give you details coming next on Hook'em Up with with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, uh, hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls forward and uh, good conversation this morning. Thank you to Jerry Hamilton joining us. Good stuff on Texas recruiting, the Michigan situation, and uh, also talked about Footloose and Kenny Loggins for a little while in the seven o'clock hour Rod Championship Sunday. Right, it was we, we had to inform folks in where what the fact segment that uh, you know Kenny Loggins famous for movie theme songs mm-hmm. like Footloose, smart Caddyshack. That's courses are uh, at the turn open at eight thirty every morning. Kenny Loggins, but he also is famous for Top Gun, Danger Zone, right? Mm-hmm. And turns out that according to what the facts. They were, he was the fourth choice to sing that anthem. First, they wanted Toto. Then they talked to Ario Speedwagon and Brian Adams and settled on Kenny Loggins. Way to go, Kenny. Everybody said no. <laughs> Kenny said yes. Worked out for him. Just say yes sometimes, you know. All right. Ty Henderson, our producer, can you have the uh, the new head coach of Michigan's apparently uh, sound from earlier this year? Because I want to play that coming up. Because it appears that Michigan, Is as we discussed, well, it's getting close to done. And the Michigan uh, – AD uh, made it pretty clear. We're working quickly to hire the next head coach for the program. We will do everything possible to keep this current staff and team together. Current staff and team together would be kind of the mm. the headline. I wonder if they had to leave it open, though, for a certain amount of time just because it's a state job. Yeah, you got to post it, right? It's state yeah, school. got to yeah. post the gig. Just for a little while. Well, I don't know, probably like 48 hours or something. I don't know, probably some 
But I'm assuming, regulation. I don't know about the uh, the EO, EO laws that are out there in Michigan or wherever, but, you know, can you inform the team? Uh, hey, this yes, is happening. Yes, probably can inform the team. Yeah. 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 Uh, can we hear this? Do you have this, Ty? This was after, of course, uh, Sharon Moore is likely to be the new head coach. He's the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, been with the program since 2018. He's uh, 37 years old. He did lead Michigan to four wins while Jim Harbaugh was serving suspensions this year, including a big win over Ohio State at home. And this game, Rod, at Penn State. Can we hear Sharon Moore after? after to win game. on the road in this environment when there were doubts. Sharon, what does it mean to you? Watch it. Careful. Well, I thank the Lord. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There you well, go. Yeah. There you go. Love <laughs> you, you man. There yeah, you go. There we go. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Dropped an F-bomb. And there you all. go. Yeah. That's why you need to listen was, on the app, the Horn app. There you, you go. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't, he was emotional. He was emotional. He was highly emotional at that moment. Is it? Is this like the Kenny Loggins conversation? Is this the first choice or is this the, the choice they have to make? It's the choice they have to make. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 you know, Jim Harbaugh is not leaving them much of a choice. Here, uh, because the, the way the timeline has worked out here, they and as Jerry mentioned and we talked about it, watching what happened in Alabama and watching the mass exodus <laughs> uh, via the transfer portal once that 30-day window opened up, you know they in a very shrewd manner. I think they were able to slow play this, where you know based on the the calendar of you know the schools opening up and what the ad drop dates are for different schools, different institutions around the country. These guys don't have a lot of options once this 30-day transfer portal window opens if, indeed, you know, uh, right now they're already in class. I think a lot of these guys, like you said, are already in class. They, they went back to class on January 10th at Michigan. So you'd be talking about a days of them not only to enter their name into the transfer portal but also to either visit or communicate with other coaches and then actually to get enrolled in another class, in another school, in another class. Like that's, that's a lot to do in what we got, maybe four or five days here before – uh, that window closes up yeah. where you can academically, uh, you know, academically be, be uh, you know, accepted into a school. Correct. So, and, you know, and you know, we'll get the ones that they don't go to school. These guys still go to class. Now, they have tutors and they may miss some classes, but you got to get their work done. They got to stay academically eligible. Right? Yeah, yeah, you got to be admitted. And those things are, are covered by compliance. I, I remember when the Caleb Down story was happening in Georgia. I read the story from the uh, the insider at Georgia that this thing, the, the reason they reported that Caleb Downs was coming to Georgia was it came from the, from the president's office because the president's office was being asked to expedite, uh, expedite him getting into classes because <laughs> yeah, yeah. classes had already started. Yeah, like, hey, we need to go. All right, now, let's go. And so we got to get him a course schedule and get his classes ready. Can you guys expedite this so we can get it done? That's why the, mm. the, the dog insider reported that, and then, of course, it changed. Yeah. But when it gets to the presidential level, that hey, we need this – pushed through here, the president's office, not the actual president doing it, but his office is handling yeah. admissions. And uh, so, you know, you're right. I mean, if, if class started at Michigan on Jan 10, which according to the, their own calendar it did, back from the uh, winter break, well, you know, th- th- today's the 25th, so you're looking at 15 days. You're two weeks into classes. There's got to be an ad drop window. 
that you you can't drop out. I mean, you're, yeah. and you can't get into a new school potentially. Yeah. I mean, you can drop, but can you, as you said, you know, get recruited? Uh, to, and look again, we saw what happened with with Jim with uh, Nick Saban, who made the decision pretty quickly after the the loss in the Rose Bowl, and obviously it was open season for Alabama. In this case, it puts it in a, it puts it in a, in a in a corner a little bit, yeah. and it gives Sharon it makes it pretty clear because of what happened in Alabama. Well, let's keep Sharon more. And mm-hmm. let's let's keep this staff together. The AD already said it. And the other thing the AD said, Ward Manuel, was Jim's, Jim Harbaugh has been very upfront about this. He did tell us he wanted – because they've had a contract on the table to make him the 12, the highest-paid coach in college football since December. Uh, but he said he wanted to explore NFL options, and which he's done each of the last two off-seasons, right? Yeah, Where he, he was, And, you know, the right offer didn't come. Well, this time the Chargers, because he played there and has close ties to the Spanos family – apparently was the right job. and uh, But we'll see. We'll see because I, I guess the, to, to folks expecting like this mass exodus of good Michigan players it's like, like Alabama, happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Not not this window. Maybe for the spring transfer for right. a window. But for this window, basically they may get a 30-day window because the, NF, the NCAA has declared any vacancy of head coach. Uh, the players get a 30-day window to see if they want to leave or not. But they don't. They can't get academically admitted into any of these schools around the country because their drop their drop dead date for the ad drops is expired or passed yeah. or it's about to. Texas probably, I believe, next week is their mm-hmm. last uh, chance to admit a student in, and then Texas won't be able to bring in any students either. So that's what's going on. Even though people thought, oh man, it's going to be a frenzy, frenzy. It would have been if it happened last week. Yes, and but because it happened this week, it's there's not going to be. And don't think Jim Harbaugh didn't know that. Of course he knows. This guy, very well knew. This guy knows loopholes. <laughs> All right, you know who told him? Connor Stallions told him about the loophole. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but still, you know, he knows about yeah, this. Connor Stallions did the deep dive research yeah. on him. But I'm sure they, they you know, I, I'm not going to say they were, you know, conspiring together. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Jim Harbaugh knew this. and that's what he, Jim Harbaugh wanted this for Sharon Moore. He didn't want Sharon Moore to get that job, and then people started leaving because they came to play for Harbaugh and not for Sharon Moore. And this way, at least most of those players will, have, will be almost forced. Um, they will have to give the new regime a chance, at least through the spring. And then that's basically the trial. The trial, <laughs> if you were a trial run for Sharon Moore to try to convince these young players, the best players, to stay with Michigan. Now there are reports Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, could be following Harbaugh to the NFL, uh, but you're right about the slow play. I mean, look, the, their season ended on January 7th with the national championship. The, fa- the Chargers weren't in the playoffs. I mean, they were. They could have mm-hmm. done this two weeks ago. <laughs> <There's> yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's been asked about it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Over playoffs. and over again. Yeah. So it does feel like that. And, and look, it, it, give credit to, to the to the Michigan man that he is. This is good. Probably be good for the program. Yeah. Uh, because you know, had he left, they probably would have done a national search. We heard the name Brian Kelly mm-hmm. at LSU. In this case, it's, it just makes sense to keep the coach in place. And, you know, he did a good job as an interim, and now he's going to get the big – it's kind of like the, uh, the Rodney Terry situation. He, he coached so well that That's you almost nice. couldn't hire him. I mean, there are still people who, who think that wasn't the best decision, but at the same time, you know, there hasn't been a coach take the Longhorns to the Elite Eight in a long time, in, you know, 15 years, 20 years, Rick Barnes. And Rodney Terry did it. And you can say it was with, with Chris Beard's players, but Rodney Terry would be quick to tell you, no, no, I recruited most of those guys. I mean, I was the lead recruiter on Marcus Carr and on, uh, you know, Serge Jabari Rice and all these guys. So 
he was working with it with Chris Beard. And that's where, and I understand that uh, Rodney Terry took some heat this year early when they got off to a slow start, but, you know, we'll see where they go. We'll see where they go. But, yes, they, you get to the point with an administration that you just have to do what's best for the program right now. Yeah, you're right. You just have to. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right about that. That's a good point. They almost, he almost forced their hand. Harbaugh and Sharon Moore, because they did a good job when he was an interim with two wins over top ten teams, they almost forced their hand. If you went with an outside hire, not only would you – get the, the, the locker room probably against you opposed to that hire, uh, but you also would have to open up the search yeah. uh, nationally. And, and the, the, that coaching staff has, has spent years building this roster. I do think they have a, have a right to try to preserve it uh, and keep it going. Uh, because, look, I mean, we saw Bob Stoops hand it to Lincoln Riley. Uh, we've seen this before. I mean, Urban Meyer handed it to uh, Ryan Day. Day. Yeah. It's not un- uncommon here that there's a succession plan. I don't think it was in, 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 in writing like it was with the New England Patriots with Gerard Mayo, but it does feel like there was a plan here. Uh, it, with the, and probably the, the university was, was aware of it too and mm. has been yeah. accepting of it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, if there is a posting period and a 10-day window that they've got to wait, you can expect Sharon Moore to be the new head coach. Yeah. And I think you'll expect most of that roster that's not already going to the NFL like J.J. McCarthy and a bunch of those dudes uh, to be back next year. Yeah, there's, they got a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of really good players on on that roster. Guys like uh, Will Johnson, Kenneth Grant, and Mason Graham, Colston, Loveland. These guys are projected to be first-round picks in 2025. Really yeah. good players. Yeah. Well, Jim Harbaugh now to the NFL. And uh, as we had a debate earlier, is that the best? Will, will anybody over, outdo that coaching hire this cycle? I did hear something yesterday on our radio station, uh, right ahead of Patrick Davis doing the sports complex. I heard Rich Eisen. And they had they were had a, somebody on there speculating that if Andy Reid were to retire, which there has been rumblings of, I yeah. think it was Pro Football Focus, would Bill Belichick be a good replacement? No, no. That's I was like thinking the same thing. Terrible, terrible replacement. No. You don't. But you almost consider hiring a really good bring Eric Bieniemy back and hire Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, you, you, I think you. Yeah, honestly, I'm not opposed to. I, I think you'd be better just hiring a young hotshot OC. Uh, and pairing him up with Patrick Mahomes rather than hiring Bill Belichick. Or, or as I say, bring the enemy back. Yeah, because that's no. wrong with the defense. And Spagnola has done a great the job. Defense, he was a head coach before. It's a top five defense right now. Yeah. So, is good. Allow the fewest points in the NFL in the second half. Great adjustments. And, you know, Brett Veach in the front office has done a great job of rebuilding that defense yeah. through the draft and adding pass rushers around Chris Jones and linebackers that can run yeah, and you cover. you got to replace coverage. the offensive acumen and the offensive intelligence and brilliance of one Andy Reid. Agreed. One of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the game. That's what you got to replace. If he steps if aside he, and there is well, some Well, he win because he's going to replace. He's going to step down while Patrick Mahomes is still playing. So you might as well, Brett Veach, he's a good GM. You start, your, you start planning it now. Start planning it right now and anticipate every year Andy Reid's going to want to leave. And get your plan together and update it every year. All right, you know what? This We're going to do this, do this. You do it every year because you do not – with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, you do not want to be taken by surprise when he retires because you could potentially pick up right where Andy Reid leaves off because at that point, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a veteran. Yeah, and he is the best quarterback in football. Yeah. Uh, so. And, by the way, anybody would want that job. Like, you're going to oh. be – I would if I'm Brett Veach, I'd trade for a coach. I wouldn't even take a chance. I got Patrick Mahomes. I know I can win a Super Bowl if I get a right, the right coach with him. I trade for him. I trade for a guy who's already done. I try to trade for Sean McVay. I try to trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I try to trade. Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I, I trade for me a, a, a coach that's already done it. You, with Patrick Mahomes and with Spags, you talked about, you got so many proven commodities. Really, all you'd be missing is just the coach. To almost be a C in a CEO role so much, but I'd like a guy that can call plays, but he can hire an offensive coordinator that can call the plays, right? You say you can bring the enemy back, like you said. 
Um, I'd trade for a coach if I'm Veach. I'd trade. I want, I want a proven commodity. Yeah. And, trade and, for one. And you would think Andy Reid, if indeed this is in his mind, would be keeping Brett Veach in the front office aware. They're not going to blindside them no, with this. No, no, no. Um, but, you know, that, that has been discussed. And, um, you know, he's, he still has plenty, plenty of years left. But uh, Andy Reid's been doing this a long time. <laughs> you know. If you're, that's how you get Lincoln Wright to come to the league. That's Ooh. how you get him. Even as an OC, I think he'd do that. He'd be like, listen, man, you want to work at Patrick Mahomes? I, but, you know, I know you think I'm crazy here, but I'd almost mm. consider keeping Spagnuolo and hiring a hot yeah. shot offensive coordinator. I don't disagree with that. Because I think he's done such a good job. Because now you've kind of built this team well, defensively. Head coach, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm with you on that. I don't disagree with that. And bring a hot shot OC in. Yeah, go get, you know, a real – and there's that's where a hot shot OC wants to go so he can be the next head coach somewhere. You know he's going to be there for two years. <laughs> And he's going to be a head coach yeah, somewhere I anyway. Yeah, coach Mahomes? Okay, yeah, I'm not that. I think Lincoln Riley would That's take, upward mobility. He'd, t- he'd take that OC job. He might not take any other OC job in the NFL, but if that job comes open where he can coach Patrick Mahomes, I think he might take it. That would be upward mobility for the, in the coaching Ooh. circle. Uh, also, one other report, we'll see what happens in Atlanta. You know, it's interviewing everybody. Bill Belichick's the name there. But I heard yesterday, and you heard the same, uh, that the word out of Seattle where they're looking for a new coach is that uh, Dan Quinn – may be the leader with an idea of hiring Dan Quinn to be the head coach and Chip Kelly away from UCLA to be the offensive coordinator. Would Chip Kelly take that? Would he leave a head position at UCLA who's moving to the Big Ten mm. to be the offensive play caller for Dan Quinn in Seattle? Uh, he gets to pick a quarterback, though. Well, he could help pick one. Yeah, you, you got Geno I mean? Smith until you find the next guy. And that's a good bridge you for mentioned, you. You mentioned Mel Kuyper's mock draft. He has him taking J.J. McCarthy at 16, but Which, that could be Michael Penix, who's yeah. from the area. I, I think I'd rather have Penny's in the second round than take McCarthy with 16. Yeah, agreed. Right? It's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I like him that high, but I do like the idea. And this is the second time they've done this in that division, right? Because basically Arizona Cardinals had this idea with Cliff Kingsbury. They did. Except it was, on, it was the opposite way, right? They brought him in as the head coach, offensive head coach, and then they had a defensive head coach, basically. Um, it didn't work out as well as they thought, but this would be Dan Quinn as the defensive head coach and the head coach, but then you'd have Chip Kelly just hey, You want Dan Quinn as the, 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 the motivator, the leader of men, right, which he's yeah. been so good with the Cowboys, uh, and then scheming the defense, and then Chip Kelly would be in charge of the offense. But Chip Kelly's had a problem handling locker rooms in both San Francisco yeah, and Philadelphia. True. He's – Kind of like the Urban Meyer thing. He has a hard time with it. Now, first year went great, and then he, he's almost too micromanaging. Well, the more they got to know him. Yeah, he's <laughs> the first year too micromanaging <laughs> over grown adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all right, who is a good D.C. hire for the Packers? Because the Packers have moved on from Joe Barry after three seasons despite the run in the playoffs that they made, and they improved late. But that Joe is a Barry good question. Out. That's a we'll, good question. We'll talk Absolutely. about that coming up because the Packers have a very bright future. We'll discuss that. Also coming back, a round of who said that. If you're just tuning in, we'll get to who said that. But uh, Vic Fangio is going to be the new head defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. This is one of the best who ever do it. He'll be coaching in the Cowboys division uh, after spending one year in Miami. We'll talk about that coming up as well. It took him up with Ian Rodby. Who said that next? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, who said it? Uh, play some audio. You decide. You guess. Rod and I and Ty. Uh, who said what we're playing also uh, leads us right into our fabulous fifth hour. I want to play this for you, Rod. Who said Who this? Said I think you will get it pretty quickly because it's pretty obvious, but it's good sound. Good audio. Good conversation about what should be a really good game. I know you're playing against the Chiefs defense, but everybody's going to talk about you and Pat Mahomes. What is it about that kind of matchup that you really like? What is it about competing against him that you really like? 
I don't like competing against him at all. He, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, it's a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. But it, it's just, I believe it's just two up-and-coming greats just going toe-to-toe. There you go. Uh, Lamar Jackson. There you go. There you go, man. A lot of, uh, I mean, obviously, I think we're, we're already too borderline immortality for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, another trip to the Super Bowl would be ridiculous. And then uh, Lamar Jackson, we talked about, if he wins this Super Bowl, uh, whatever people criticize him, he is uh, on a short list of the most accomplished quarterbacks in football history, Rod, mm-hmm. with a Heisman Trophy, two MVPs. And if he were to win a Super Bowl at 26, 27 years old, that's pretty damn good to do yeah. in a you know short amount of time. And he'd likely be a Super Bowl MVP if he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, they won because they're going to need him to be, obviously, uh, the best version of himself for them to win the Super Bowl. But, yeah, it's it really is a lot on the line legacy-wise for Lamar Jackson in, in these playoffs. If he comes up short in these playoffs, ooh, it's, it's going to be damning. Because uh, with this team, and you've given the defensive stats oh, and how yeah, good they are. They're loaded. And, yeah. This is, this is his best shot to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if he'll have a better shot than this, actually. No, this, is, this team's built stats. Yeah, because you're going to lose that defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's going to be. He's, he's, he's going somewhere. I don't, and maybe you can keep him one more year, but you ain't keeping him that much longer. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, dial up a couple of the uh, pieces of audio I sent you time. We can play Who Said That? I got a Jim Harbaugh story. So I want to take officials. I took three officials. I went to Notre Dame official. I took a Michigan official. And I took a USC official. So got on a red eye to Michigan. Boom, got to Michigan. Came one of my best friends. We get here, Harbaugh wants to bring us, you know, bring us in his office. So I'm like, bet, we get into his office. He sits down in the middle, me and my friend, we sit across from him. And he's just sitting there in the middle with his legs crossed. I swear to God, two minutes, not saying anything, just looking around. Bro, me and my homie are like, is he about to say something? Like, I'm thinking he's gonna start the conversation. Like he wants to recruit us, like he wants us to come. He's not saying nothing. He's, bro, I swear, he's legs crossed like this. Boom, just looking around. Right. Like, Hey, that's Coach Bro, it was so weird. So I, my question to you is, is he really like that? Like, I heard he's just wired different. He's different for sure. Like, he does that uh, on a regular basis. Sometimes it can get a little awkward. A little is an understatement. Boy, it was two minutes of silence in me. I'm like, I'm just looking around, looking at you. This might not be the school for me. I don't know. That's hilarious. Uh, who said that? It's not probably pretty hard. That's, I don't know who that is. That's a Monra St. Brown. Oh, uh, and he's actually doing an interview with Blake Corum, and he was talking about his recruiting visit to go see <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. Sat there for two minutes. And, you know, kids these days they can't they can't handle a minute of silence. Exactly, they don't like their <laughs> own, they don't like to be alone with their own thoughts, and you just sitting there, and that's probably why you didn't get him on Russell Brown. But that's how weird he is, though. He doesn't care. He weird. He's like, if you if you don't like my vibe, then you don't need to be with me. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Um. All right, I got some more. You got another one? I do. Let me okay. play this for you. Uh, alluded to it earlier, but uh, this will be tough. But let's go. Who said this? We're just better than that, and we know we can play hard, and, you know, we shouldn't have coach coaching our heart the whole game. Like he says, like, he should be coaching the X's and O's, and tonight he had to coach our effort, which is on us, you know, because that's something we can control, no matter if our shots are falling or not. Like, you sh- you're able to control your energy and your effort, um, so that should be 100% all the time. So I think just we need to get everyone on that page, um, and, yeah, that will start tomorrow in practice. That effort and energy tonight. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm not get, sure who that is. That's Shea Holly. She okay. plays for Texas, so she's confirming what uh, oh, yeah. Vic Schaefer was ranting about. And uh, upset. Not a fun place to be today over at the Texas ladies' basketball facility, women's basketball. That was probably not fun. Oh, no. Not going to be good. Not going to be fun practice. Wasn't a fun Can a you fun think of the session? worst practice you ever had? 
Is there one that just sticks in your, like a, a session on the film study or just back uh, to the practice field? It was probably. Running stairs or something? No, we used to do crawl before you walk. You'd have to uh, bear crawl 10 yards. Then you'd do 10 up downs whiles uh, repeating I love Texas, I love Texas, <laughs> or the pride and winning tradition of the Texas Longhorns cannot be entrusted the week during the timid. And you have to say that while doing 10 up downs, and then you'd bear crawl for another 10 yards, then you do 10 up downs. And you do that until they stop. And we, after some losses, after every loss, we'd have to crawl before we walk. But after some losses, we'd do it for an hour plus. I mean, guys would be out there vomiting on the side, passing out, and Mad Dog would not blow that whistle. It, you got to keep going, and they just drag guys off the field and keep it moving. And I think the worst was after the loss to OU in my sophomore year, the Ooh. blowout loss. Yeah, that was it. I mean, there was just so much shame and embarrassment. They they took it out on us. And well, they should have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you didn't want to lose because you didn't want to crawl before you walk. Ask any Longhorn in my day. Just say the words. Crawl before you walk. And I'll go, <gasps> They're like, shut up. Oh, no, no, no. Please don't say that. Uh, all right, Ty. I, I sent you a couple of clips of audio. Just uh, dial any of them up. We can play. Who said that? You guys got a lot of really good players, obviously, but maybe not okay. viewed. What's that? I said thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> maybe not viewed, though, as the superstars, like maybe the 49ers have or other people All right, have. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, Jared Goff? That was Jared Goff, yeah. Okay, Jared Goff. All yeah, right. I was like, uh, you got some great players. And uh, then he said, talking about how the 49ers have even better players, he took away his, his, uh, his thank you. Let's I'll play you some back. more sound content. Did you hear what they asked Nick Sirianni yesterday at a press conference? I'll let you out. You got to hear I it. I heard it. Nick's the man. But see, Not really the man. I'm but, no, Nick Sirianni, remember he had that moment when he was first introduced as the Eagles head oh, coach. He, he botched the opening press he conference. He botched it, and then we all forgave him because we like, oh, he's a good coach. He went to the Super Bowl in his second year. Um, they went to the playoffs as well, like, what, early on in his tenure. He's got to learn, though, there's some questions that are better left unanswered or at least answered in like Bill Belichickian <laughs> with just one word answers. He's a weird dude. Or keep it short and sweet. And he did not. He tried, he tried to elaborate and sometimes elaborating. I think most people, and we've said this before, see Nick Sirianni and think that's a very punchable face. Mm. You know, let's, you know. Yeah. He punch. sounded punchable in that answer. That was a, it was a bad answer. It was a dumb – it wasn't a dumb question. It was a dumb question, too. Yeah, okay. It was a dumb question. Very dumb. We'll play that for you coming up. Uh, we go into the fabulous fifth hour where, you know, anything can happen. Sophia Vergara, you know, mm. Kenny Loggins. You just never know. Plus, Rod <laughs> will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll get some what's popping. We roll on. Fabulous fifth hour is next on Hook'em Up with E and Rod B.